listening to Vet Candy. Hey all, this is Dr. Jill Lopez. You may know me as the founder of Vet Candy, but do you know why I started Vet Candy? Simply put, it's because of people like you. I love that in our profession, there's always somebody new to meet. I'm really passionate about meeting new people and sharing their stories. And I consider myself fortunate to work in a field that is full of the coolest people on the planet. And that's why I created 21 Questions, to share their stories. With 21 Questions, we take a deep dive into interesting stories and topics. We talk with others in a free-formed, wide-open, relaxed conversation to not only have some laughs, but maybe to inspire some people along the way. Are you ready to get started? I am. Let's go. Dr. Heather Anholt, also known as Hezzy or Dr. Hezzy, she's a graduate of Western College of Veterinary Medicine. She's a Canadian and she loves zoo animals. In fact, she completed an internship at the Park Zoo in Canada. You cannot win with this lady, right? She's worked with polar bears in Canada, chimpanzees in Nigeria, elephants in India. She even co-hosted the Nat Geo Wild documentary series, Jungle Animal Rescue in India in 2019. Now, this amazing, amazing human is based in Malawi, where she works as a wildlife vet while she's doing a PhD on wildlife research. Amazing. All I can say is, I've felt inferior a lot of times, but I've never felt as inferior as I am here today talking to the amazing Dr. Hezzy. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hezzy. I love that you have the nickname Hezzy. I never thought there was a nickname for Heather, but I'm so excited to have you on our show. It's so good to be here. So tell me where your here is. Where are you today? You're always everywhere on Instagram. I am always everywhere and I keep saying that I actually want to move around less and have more of a schedule and more of a routine and get a little settled. And my husband's like, I don't believe you at all. But yeah, so I do move around actually a little more than I even would ideally like to. I'm based in Malawi, uh, which is a small country in Southern Africa. And I uh, am currently, though, uh, applying for a new type of employment permit. Uh, So I had to leave the country for that to be processed. So I'm currently uh, in the north part of Zambia, right close to the border with DRC and uh, and just hanging out in a a forest sanctuary because I have a friend here who is also a wildlife veterinarian. So DRC for people everywhere, that's Congo, right? That's the that's the Congo. Yeah, that's Republic of Congo. Yeah, I'm actually taking classes in Vancouver. So uh, now uh, a lot of the courses at UBC are available over you know various internet platforms and Zoom, so I'm I'm taking my course requirements for my graduate program remotely. So I'm kind of yeah I'm, I'm all over the place. Translation: She's doing a PhD. She's saving animals in Africa. And your husband's with you, or is he remote too? My husband is currently in Malawi, so he stayed uh, he stayed in Malawi while I just came to Zambia for a couple months, and he spends about half of his time in. Canada uh, doing uh, marine construction. And then the other half of his time he spends as the support team. He just, he comes out to Malawi and actually he works on, he's got a bunch of art projects that he works on. So he works on his own art projects and tries to make sure that I eat vegetables and stuff. So that is definitely, it's like a half time long distance relationship. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, people are like, how do you do the long distance? And I'm like, how do you live with your partner all the time? That's insane. <laughs> so half the year, you don't have to pick up his clothes off the ground. And half the year, you do. Does he do dishes like my husband does it, where he puts it in the sink and soaks them? <laughs> I do that. Oh, you do? Oh, it drives me crazy. I'm like, that is not doing the dishes. That is not doing the... That's turning the water on, throwing soap in there and acting like you put him there. Because trust me, I put him there. Yeah, I so I have a bad habit actually of like starting end of it and then walking away. And I think actually, and I, I'm sure a lot of people think this, but I think that maybe if I'd been born like a decade later, I would have gotten like an attention deficit uh, diagnosis as a child. I always have like six different windows open on my laptop, and I'm I'm bouncing between things. 
And yeah, so I, I can't even get through like, it, it drives him nuts actually, because I'll do like five minutes of dishes. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Five minutes done. So he's an artist. Like what kind of art does he do? A uh, comic book art. He works on he works on a couple of comic books that he's yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, you guys have got the coolest jobs. Like so he could do comics and you're out there saving animals and doing some cool stuff. I love your Instagram feed and it's everything. The, I think the one I saw today was African dogs. They look so cute. And then I saw a zebra's butt. And then I think I saw you doing surgery. So you have a really, you probably have the coolest career on the planet, right? Who has a cooler job than you? Who? You know, I love, I love what I do for sure. I, it's probably a lot less fancy in real life. Um, and a lot of, honestly, a lot of the opportunities I get are because I am uh, working pro bono. And that was one of the things that, um, that are, is working out really well with the grad program as well, because like, I, I managed to get some funding. So I have some salary doing my PhD, which is what I do full time. And then all of the wildlife stuff I do at this point is I just do what I'm interested in. So I don't have to worry about the ethics of one job versus, you know, or, or like if, if there's something that I'm really interested in helping out with, I just, I just offer to help out. Um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, whether I'm getting paid and I do do some paid work as well. But again, I don't have to worry about it being like, super consistent. And if they're, you know, if someone calls me up and they want me to do a job and I'm like, Oh, this person's annoying. Um, I can just like not respond. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm massaging some elephants that day. I can't do it. So what, like what kind of animals do you see on a regular basis? Like for us, it's like dogs and cats. Like what's your dogs and cats in your practice? I feel like there are different phases. Like, I, and I, I think right now, actually over the next two months, I'm really looking forward to doing um, a little bit of uh, chimpanzee medicine. And uh, my colleague, Talita, who is the veterinarian for Chimfunchi, is a really, she's a really excellent clinician. And, and she's more of a full-time clinician, whereas I, I, I spend a little more time getting like distracted with research. So she's a much better clinician than I am, like, to, let's be honest. And so I'm really looking forward to just, you know, like popping in on some of the cases that she's doing. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Hold that thought. We've got to go to commercial break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. As a veterinarian, making time for your mental health may seem impossible right now. That's why we've partnered with Vet Candy to bring awareness to Zant. With Zant, you can choose from 25 focus areas, from burnout to addiction to everyday struggles, for $0 to access and free first sessions. Thinking there's a catch? No catch, just actually affordable mental health care. Download Zant in the iOS app store today. Well, I can tell you, everyone's jealous. And I bet you're inspiring a lot of people to go into veterinary medicine too, just by watching your Instagram feed. I think so. I get some engagement for sure. Um, and I do get, yeah, it's really nice to hear like some of the talks I've done um, or like some of the other media, like, where people have messaged me and been like, this was really inspiring, la la la. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's really rewarding. And I do think that like people who are not in the field of wildlife veterinary medicine, like other veterinarians often, especially our professors in school, like often try to dissuade people from going into wildlife. They're like, there's not very many jobs. It's not realistic, et cetera. But the wildlife veterinarians are like, no, like, please come. Like, there's so much work that, that needs to be done. And I think a lot of the opportunities that exist, like you kind of have to make them, like you have to look beyond the job boards, but there's so much work that needs to be done that I think, yeah, if, if more people come into the field and create those jobs, like create those projects, create those positions, then that's awesome because we do want the field to get to get bigger. Because in Malawi, for example, like there there isn't very much in terms of employment opportunities, but there is a ton of work. I'm would very much encourage someone who's interested in wildlife health, wildlife medicine, conservation medicine, eco health, uh, one health, conservation, like any of those things. Like if that's what you're interested in, like absolutely find a way to get into it and find a mentor. And I think that people in the field are, are for the most part, really encouraging in terms of like trying to get more people in the door. 
do you guys have an internship program down there? Because if you didn't, you should and have like a rotation because I guarantee vet students everywhere would want to come down there and rotate through. They would love that. They would get so much experience, right? Yeah, well, they wouldn't get very much experience with me. It's not like the animals line up outside your door, right? When it comes to free-ranging wildlife health. So the caseload is actually not very high. So that's what makes it hard to run like a, a rotation. And a lot of times those sorts of rotations are run, yeah, places where they have higher caseload, but they also do a lot of work to organize the logistics around having a bunch of things scheduled like back-to-back so that they can run a course. And that ends up being expensive as well. So those those internship programs often come with a price tag. But there is like one of the organizations that I work with and I, like, I love these people. They are so professional. They're so wonderful. Just like really, really great people um, is uh, the, the work they do in a national park in Southern Malawi, which is called uh, uh, Majeti uh, National Park. Actually, I think it's called Majeti Wildlife Reserve now, technically, now that I think about it. But anyway, there's a park in Southern Malawi um, called Majeti. And Worldwide Veterinary Services is the organization that provides the veterinary support for the wildlife health monitoring in the park. So they work together with the wildlife management. They're doing some amazing things. Yeah, they yeah, they really are. Like all my experience with them has been really, really excellent. And yeah, so I volunteer with them actually on like a number of different projects in Malawi when I can. But Majeti has been a source of like just tremendous mentorship for me. And they do have an internship program at Majeti. Uh, it is free ranging wildlife health. So it's not super intensive on clinical medicine. It's about like monitoring species, monitoring health. Um, and there are interventions, but they come up as needed, right? So it's kind of hard to schedule that kind of, that kind. you know, like you don't know when something's going to come in that you need to intervene for. Um, they do do a lot of uh, collar placements um, and other tracking device placements for, for management. But again, that stuff, it depends on the funding situation and when the shipments come in and that sort of thing, right? So none of it is, is guaranteed. For someone who's like super focused on clinical medicine and medicine for individual animals, it would not be a good fit. But for someone who's interested in landscape conservation and these species that have really high uh, genetic value that are closely managed in a park, then it's, yeah, then it's awesome. They've got, there's like, tons to learn. Okay, cool. So you ready to play the game? 21 questions? I I checked out the magazine, uh, but I haven't heard your podcast before, so I don't exactly know what to expect. Oh, it's just silly questions. You'll have fun. It's like um, just random questions. And then it's weird. If you don't want to answer them, you don't have to, but they're silly. Okay, ready? Yes. What is the most embarrassing thing you have ever done? Oh, I'm like, I'm totally blanking, but I know there's like, I'm sure there's like a million examples. Can we like come back to it? Yeah, we can. We can. You know, you're not the only one. That one's tough for some people. Next question. What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Yes, I spontaneously just moved to Nigeria straight out of school. I didn't even go to my graduation. Don't you have to get your, swe- your swearing in? What did you do? About, don't you have to go there to do your oath? Or in the United States, we have to go there to do your oath because people were trying to get out of going to graduation when I was in school. We were slackers. Yeah, I, I am a slacker. I don't think it was an issue. I, no one ever gave me a hard time about it. You know, you sh- if we had an award, you would win the most spontaneous. Um, next question is, what is your biggest regret? When I was 19 years old, my grandma and grandpa spent a whole bunch of money to get the family on a cruise ship for their like 50th wedding anniversary or something. You know, the Canadians love those cruise ships. They love to cruise. Yeah. Yeah. They're always, Canadians are always in the boats. Um, I didn't know that. I don't think this, I think this is like the first and last time anyone in my extended family was on a cruise ship, but we were on one and it was an expensive one. Like the, it was like the two or whatever. And so there was all these like very wealthy people on it. And I was 19. And afterwards, after it, we were going to LA to my aunt's house because she lived in LA and there was like a dinner. And when I was on the cruise ship, some dude asked me, some guy who was, you know, probably like in his forties or fifties asked me if I wanted to go. Cause I was going to LA and he was in LA and he wanted, he asked if I wanted to go to a party at the Playboy mansion because he had an invite. 
And I didn't because I had to have dinner with my grandparents. And I wish I had gone to the Playboy Mansion. Oh, listen, Hezzy, Dr. Hezzy, I just watched the show on A&E. And guess what? You know, you're, you're lucky you didn't go to the Playboy Mansion. You are lucky. Go watch that. If you can get it down in, in um, Malawi or, or um, Zambia, definitely check it out because... <laughs> we might not have ever seen you again, Dr. Hezzy. This, all this stuff is coming out now, so you got to check it out. So your biggest regret is probably a good thing. So good job. <laughs> so what is, I mean, you have everyone else's dream day. I feel like my dream day would be to be, be with you for 24 hours. But if you had your own dream day, you could go anywhere you want, unlimited budget, bring whoever you wanted. What would you do? I guess I'd take my husband and I would go to Antarctica. I'd take like a cruise to Antarctica. Really? Oh my gosh. I feel like you're going to be in Antarctica. So you're going to do that for sure. Because I mean, who's going to go to Antarctica? Dr. Hezzy, right? Have you been to the Galapagos Islands? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Okay. Wow. So the next step is Antarctica. I want to go to Antarctica and see all the animals. I want to, you know what? I want to like learn how to dive in a dry suit and go swim with leopard seals. Really? Oh my gosh. In Vet Candy, we have like analytics and I was looking at our analytics one day and I was going through like the year and it goes through the countries and there were 35 people in Antarctica that viewed Vet Candy articles. And I was like, I've made it. That's when I knew I made it is that 35 people in Antarctica or, you know, read our stuff over like a year. I didn't even know there were 35 people in, in Antarctica. I mean, maybe over a year there are. Or maybe there was a one person that read 35 articles. <laughs> I don't know. But just just for it to show up, it was like, oh, my God, I can retire. I've, my purpose is done. That's really interesting. I have I have an embarrassing story I can tell you. Oh, yeah. Back to the embarrassing story. Go. Oh, shoot. So, OK, actually, I was just thinking of an embarrassing thing to tell you. And then I was like, I remembered another embarrassing thing. Okay, you have to do two embarrassing things. What's the two most embarrassing things, Dr. Hezzy, that you have ever done? Gosh, I have to tell you both. Okay, so the first one is only embarrassing in retrospect. I think it just shows like how worked up we are in vet school and how like our self-esteem is just like in tatters. Because I remember, okay, so this was like, third or fourth year of med school and I was in the rectal palpation lab. So we were doing rectal palpation of dairy cows. And by the way, my professors for this lab were named Dr. Luby and Dr. Palmer. They, they taught rectal palpation. The, my least favorite job would be teaching rectal palpation. <laughs> okay. I actually love rectal palpation. I did like a six week placement at a dairy practice and I was like, I'm going to get good at rectal palpation. And I, I did. And I actually, I really like it. You can get so much info. But uh, at the time I had no experience. And the job was that you had to pass like an artificial insemination, one of those like rods through the cervix of a cow. But none of these cows, it was just random cows. Like they weren't in heat. So their cervix was closed. So it was like, I guess it was practically impossible. Like I could not do it. And it was like, you like pretty much had to do it in order to pass the course but there was like some alternative. And after spending like days and days trying to pass this thing through the cervix of the cow, I was so frustrated. I like cried uncontrollably in the bathroom about the fact that I could not pass an AI rod in a cat. Like, I was just like, I'm never, I'm never going to be a large animal vet. I can't do it. I'm useless. Like I'm going to fail at a vet school. Like, just absolute breakdown. I think about it. And I'm just like, girl, <laughs> not that big a deal. <laughs> so that was Dr. Palmer and Dr. Ubi? Luby. Dr. Luby. Dr. Luby and Dr. Palmer. Why did you put Dr. Hezzy through that? You know what my doctor did? Dr. Padmore. Everybody remembers your rectal instructor. You know what that guy would do? And I can talk about him because he has passed away. God rest his soul. He actually was a nice guy, but he was mean in school. He had us palpates a spayed cow. I don't know how he even spayed a cow, but he would do it. And he would be like, okay, what stage of heat is she in? So we're all like this. We're like, mm, she's like in estrus. And he's like, really? Because she's spayed. She doesn't have a, what I didn't call it, spay. She does not have a uterus. 
she does not have a uterus. And he would laugh about it. I, I remember a, a prof who gave me a steer. What's wrong with these guys and stuff? What are they doing to us? <laughs> Give you a, a steer to rectally palpate? <laughs> yeah, and look for a uterus. But no, I like clued in right away. I was like... Where's that uterus at that steer? Right, exactly. To see like how confused you get about it. So what's the other most embarrassing thing? Okay, so I thought of another embarrassing thing. And actually, you know what? It wasn't really that embarrassing because I'm not really that embarrassed about nudity. But <laughs> me either. I'm not. A lot of people are, but nope, not me. No. Uh, yeah, I'm not. But um, that's like a probably a, a Vancouver thing. I was working at a wildlife sanctuary uh, in Malawi. This is when I first came to Malawi. And it was near like a little forest reserve. So there were a few like wild animals around that were not part of the sanctuary residence. And somehow a diker, which is a small antelope about the size of a sheep, got stuck in the recycle box, like a pen kind of with a lid where people would put their recycle and somehow a diker got in there. So there was this ant, like this wild antelope and like wild animals are not like domestic animals. Like they get super stressed. They can die of stress. They're a lot more difficult to restrain um, than like a sheep would be. Anyway, this thing was bouncing around the vet I was working with, like my boss at the time, like crawled in there and managed to grab this antelope. And I was wearing like a thick strapped tank top. And so she, she passes me this antelope like through a small hole and I like grab it. And this thing somehow like got its hoof like into my shirt and like pushed my sports bra and my shirt just completely down. So like my boobs were just like out. So I was taught, yeah, I was completely topless. And like, this is, I mean, like Malawi is a very like socially conservative culture. It's in no way appropriate at all. Like those Canadian, those naked Canadians are at it again. Exactly. Yes. So I'm standing, I'm like holding an antelope. There's nothing I can do. Like my hands are full and my tits are out. I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet too, by the way. I'm sure someone snapped some photos. Yeah. I feel like I would know that, but yeah. So the, yeah, the security guards and like my male colleagues are just like looking like, like anywhere, but they, they were embarrassed. Actually, they were super embarrassed. I was just like, well, this is happening. And so one of these days I'll have them on my podcast and I'll say, what's the most embarrassing thing that you've ever seen? Well, one time this Canadian veterinarian was taking her shirt off, running after a um, um, some uh, wild antelope. Yeah, that, but that's cool. You didn't care, right? You were like, who cares? Yeah, skin. I'm saving this animal. Yeah. Because if he, if a guy's shirt, like I say, Evan Anton's um, tank top came off, like nobody would be averting their eyes in embarrassment, right? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Let's go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso. Do you want to keep up with everything VetMed? Then check out my show on Vet Candy TV. We talk about clinical updates, science news, plus some of the coolest people in our profession. Stream at MyVetCandy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms. Have you ever met Dr. Evan? He's so nice. Have you met him? I haven't. I have not met him. I have heard that he's really nice. Yeah. He's really nice. He was just at VMX and I missed meeting him in person, but he is like truly nice. But he's working with rhinos in a different part of Africa. Um, but he's there like all the time. He lives in California, the other CA, California. So next question, what do you wish that you were really good at? I wish I could speak fluent Chichewa. The predominant official language of Malawi is Chichewa. And I've been working on it for about five years. and my Chichewa is conversational at best. So tell us something in Chichewa. Dinalanga Hezi, Dilindi Dogatala Yanyama. My name's Hezi, right? I'm a vet. That's so cool. Well, you got to do it. You got to learn that. I'm working on it. Yeah, it's like slow, so slow, just slowly, slowly. But yeah, I wish I could speak more languages fluently. Yeah, you know, a lot of veterinarians say that. The last, we just talked to Dr. Rachel Venable, and she mentioned she wished she did speak, you know, more fluent. She's actually taking Spanish to learn Spanish better. But I think that's great. I think it's important to know other languages and to experience other cultures. 
Uh, next question. What is the strangest thing you have in your closet? Must be strange. Emasculators. Okay. I know what those are because we have sheep, although I, I'm not using that on them. We have goats and someone was like, oh, just pick up an emasculator and do it. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Um, I took them in and had them sedated and have it done there. So, but I, I know you don't have that option. When I use emasculators on adult animals, they are fully anesthetized. So I knock them down in the field. Yeah, here they don't. People were telling me, oh, bring your goats over and we'll put a rubber band around it. And I'm like, are you, these are my babies. I wouldn't let you do that to my babies, you know? And so I got, I dropped off my goats to get them castrated. I got a pedicure and manicure at the same time. We were both done right afterwards, but you gotta, you gotta use some sedation for that. I, yeah, no. So I have most of my, that's another Canadianism. Hey, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, we, we say that. Most of my vet equipment I have like at home because I'm like, I have a mobile service. Um, and for some reason, I just, I had the emasculators in like my clothing closet rather than with the vet stuff. And at some point my husband was like, you need to move these. Like it's creeping me right out. <laughs> so. Yeah. No wonder you only, you only see him six months of a year. <laughs> okay. Now this is going to be tough for you. Um, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Think of all the, like you have so much more experience with different animals. Like what, what would you choose? I'd be a house cat. I think being a house cat is like the life. You'll be surprised to know that most veterinarians I talk to say cat. So even though you're exposed to all these other animals, cats rule. Well, I mean, I think just being a wild animal is tough. Like I wouldn't want to be a wild animal. I'd want to be a pet. Yeah. You want to be like a cat that <laughs> like lives inside by themselves because you don't like other cats and you get like good food. You get to lay around. Yeah. Like scratches, like back massages, toys. Uh, maybe a catio, like naps. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a house cat. Yeah, I even we even got our cats. Well, we have canaries. And so the cat, like she will pull herself up to the top and sleep. She sleeps on him. That's like her babies. And she exercises with them. Like she, <laughs> she can't reach them. But it's like the only thing that keeps her from being super obese because she has epilepsy and she's on phenobarbital. So she's sort of like a cat sloth. But that's like we got her that because it helps exercise her. They they don't like it, but maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe it keeps them on their toes or whatever, or on their claws. If you could go into a time machine, go anywhere, past or future, where would you go? Well, I guess it depends how long you have to be there for. Okay. Just, well, I think I'd still go future. I'm, I'm going to say like maybe 500 years if I had to choose. What do you think you'd find in 500 years? Either like humanity has not survived or... It has survived, but there's been like an apocalypse and we're living in like Stone Age like times or like, I don't know, some sort of like sci-fi version of an apocalypse. Or we've like surmounted some chat, like some challenges and are interplanetary. And it'd be really interesting to see where we went with that. So I'd like to see where we are in 500 years. Yeah. Something that's got me nervous is all these, the space travel we're having all of a sudden, like everyone's obsessed with getting onto another planet, which makes me think something's up that maybe we don't know about. But I do think it's like we're at a crossroads and either in 500 years you come here and it's like a red desert planet like Mars. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it becomes like the Garden of Eden and we become you know more in tune with Earth. I think it, we're like at a crossroads. Yeah, it's either going to get worse or it's going to get better. That's my amazing clairvoyant prediction for the future. It's either going to get worse or it's going to get better. So you're welcome. It's either going to get worse or get better. You've heard it here, folks. It's either going to get worse or it's going to get better. And it's up to you. So don't use plastic. Don't use plastic. Be sustainable. Okay. Yeah. Put those plastic bottles away. I can't stand it when I see plastic bottles. I lose my mind. Um, I think it's, it's awful. Why are we using plastic bottles? It's crazy. Because it's going to be the bad way if we keep using them. So next question. This might be hard because you're in Africa. What's the last show you binge watched? Oh, God, I'm such a binge watcher. I am currently binge watching How to Get Away with Murder. I would say like like Nordic Noir and true crime is like my guilty pleasure. And yeah, you. I mean, you can't get any farther away from Malawi than like a Nordic Noir, like some creepy murder mystery in Iceland or something like that is so different. So uh, yeah, I, I binge watch that stuff just because it's like 
I don't know. I Maybe it's escape. I'm not sure. I don't know what my problem is, but yeah, I do that. If you like that, like creepy Icelandic uh, murder mystery, Joe Nesbo is a really good writer. And I think he wrote The um, Snowman, which I only want to watch. But I know what happens, but I don't want to watch it. Oh, my God. But if you're into that, it's always in some kind of... I think he's from Norway or something. Oh, How to Get Away with Murder. You had to keep up with that show. You had to have a really... I mean, just these great plot twists. You never... You'd have a character you thought was good, and then they were bad, and then they were good. Oh, my God. It's like... It's just really good. So what what episode are you on? Or what season? Oh, God. There's more than one season? <laughs> I didn't even know. Oh, no. The first season's the best. It does. It goes downhill, but maybe the second season's okay. But you say so you're in the first season. Wow. I'll read some reviews before I go to the second season because it, like, it gets too silly. I lose interest. But mostly I actually watched it just to watch uh, Walla Davis. I love watching her performances. And I saw her recently in The Woman Queen and was just like, you are a tank. I used to play rugby and we used to call that like a shit brick house. I got into like her acting. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this. Like, this is like all of Walla Davis. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. You definitely have to go into second. Maybe there's even a third season, but like her character is, um, oh my God. And you meet her mother and stuff and you find out, oh Lord, you got to watch it. So you got a lot to watch. Okay, next question. I guess in the way I'm just asking what's your favorite song or artist, but the question is, if you could hear only one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? There's a song by, I believe it's Choir of Young Believers, or is it Choir of Unbelievers? Speaking of Nordic Noir, it was the, I think it's called Hollow Talk. It was the intro to the bridge. And then there's like some really good electronic remixes of it. I think I, I I could listen I could listen to that probably and not I'd be okay. So like electronica, a like electronica song. I guess like the remixes are EDM, but it's okay. It was the intro song to the bridge, Hollow Talk. I think it's Choir of Young Believers. People who watch the bridge will know what I'm talking about. I met um, Derek Garrettson in person, and he's the person who he created like scientifically crafted music therapy and he has cat music he sent me some oh my god i hate it <laughs> so that's so you must be a cat because cats love electronica they love this like spacey kind of electronic music they love it i couldn't believe it uh i was listening to it i'm like how uh, you know it's just i was trying to work and listen to it and i'm like i can't do it dog music i love dog music is like chilling out music and that I can work with. But cat music, my cat comes in from wherever she is sleeping and she sits right beside me when I play it. And she just ignores me, of course, and just li- sits there. She loves it. She loves it. But they're just, cats are so strange. So you must be a cat. You must be a cat in your like previous life. I have a lot of cat-like qualities. Okay. Well, you're a cat. They're, if you like their music, you like their music. Next question is, what is the weirdest dream you've ever had? That's funny. I was just listening to another podcast that was all about dreaming. I was a, a, interviewed a dream researcher. And I was thinking about that because I rarely remember my dreams. So I don't know. I can't like remember specifically like a really weird dream. But I do have recurring dreams about getting rid of human bodies all the time. I'll, like, I'll have a body and I'm like, damn it, I killed this person. Now what am I going to do? And then like the rest of the dream is just like trying to get rid of the body. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. Okay, I thought you maybe had a dream that you're like putting this big glove on your arm and there was a whole wall of steers waiting to do pregnancy checks on. You know, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever had that dream, but who knows, maybe in vet school I did. We don't remember like 90 whatever percent of our dreams. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Next question. I feel like you've already completed your bucket list, but what is what else is on your bucket list? Oh man, no, I've got, yeah, there's stuff on the bucket list. Um, I would, I really want to swim with whale sharks. So in like a way that, you know, like, I don't want to be like harassing them or like, you know, the boat, you got, it's got to be like super respectful, but I want to go somewhere uh, where I know, like when the whale sharks migrate through and you, and, and you, you often are able to see a lot of them and, and spend some time out in a boat snorkeling. And I, yeah, I really want to swim with a whale shark. That's on the list. Lots of other things on the list. What else is on that list? You know, a lot of the things are like professional career things that I feel like I'm kind of like embarrassed that those are on my bucket list because I feel like I should have more like 
work-life balance, <laughs> super ambitious dreams that the thing is, I don't even want to say, because if I say this is like my dream and then I don't do it, then it's like I'm a failure. Well, sometimes you have to say it and then it happens too. You know, I would really love to, no, I actually thought of some stuff that's not, that's not career related. I, I would really love to go up to Alaska during the salmon spawning and just like hang out in a tent and take photos of grizzly bears. I think that would be great. I spent some time up in Churchill, Manitoba, just when the polar bears were starting to come and wait for the the ice to form. And I did see some polar bears, but I would love to go up there, like to the the research station up there where when I, I was there in 20, I guess it was 17, in polar bear season and just spend a ton of time looking at polar bears. I'd love to go up there in the middle of winter and learn about the northern lights. I think that would be awesome. When I was there, the belugas were in the St. Lawrence, was it St. Lawrence estuary? That's a totally different spot. But they were, so, okay, the, the belugas were in Hudson's Bay and uh, when I was up in Churchill. And so there were just like thousands of beluga whales. And that was back when you could go swimming as well. So I did swim uh, with belugas. That was cool. You swim and if you sing underwater, they say, because belugas are really auditory, um, they call them the canaries of the sea. They talk to each other a lot and sing to each other underwater. And then if you're swimming and like singing, they come up and like investigate you. Oh, really? Oh, oh, that would be so awesome. Unless they they like decide to flip over and drown you. <laughs> that would be really sweet. Yeah, no, they're super sweet. Yeah, I mean, you have to have respect for wild animals, like 100 percent, of course. But they do appear to have a very sweet nature. IMO. Yeah, yeah I love watching them. I've seen them. Um, I think I saw them in um, in Chicago at something. I feel like I've seen them. I just sat there and watched them for like an hour. They're just so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, so next question, what is your go-to karaoke song? Like when you're out in Mount Malawi and you're going to a nightclub, I'm just kidding, but like say you had to sing a song, like what would it be? I guess it would be like like a Backstreet Boys song from like seventh grade or something. Yeah, like Backstreet's Back. That's a pretty easy song to sing. Backstreet Back. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute. You know, they're on tour. Watch out. I don't know if they're coming to Malawi, but I will, if I do find out, I will let you know. <laughs> okay. So cool. Backstreet fan in the house. Um, here, this question is sort of silly for you, but um, because you are living in an unusual place, if you could move anywhere in the world, where would you go? Yeah, no, I've, I've thought about that. Like, I think that I'm super happy in Malawi and I don't want to move anywhere else, but other places that I could see myself like that I, I could see myself being super happy living. I think Mauritius would be really interesting. Uh, Galapagos, I think would be, I would love to live in Galapagos. Uh, Costa Rica, I think would be really interesting. Um, they have such amazing cultivation programs. I love Latin American culture. I love Spanish. Habla Espanol. Si, yo puedo hablar Espanol. Porque he vivido en Peru para un año cuando tenía 16 años. Really? Wow. But it is so hard for me to, because I'm working on a different language right now. That was like, I think I just had a stroke switching. <laughs> anyway, translation, she worked, she lived in, or she worked in Peru for 10 years. No, no, no I worked, I, I lived in Peru when I was, uh, when I was 16. Oh, they said, never mind. My Spanish is not that great anyway. Okay. Oh, 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 hold that thought. We've got to go to commercial break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. There are places, but you do love Malawi. So what's Malawi like? Uh, it's a very, it's a small country and it's a country that is very low resource um, and kind of low on the development index scale, even compared to 
to a lot of uh, like other countries in sub-Saharan Africa for like various historical reasons. But yeah, it's like a pretty resource scarce area and there are logistical challenges with that. Uh, and it's also very high population density for some reason. Um, I always find that interesting. Like why? Why is there so many people if there's not enough resources? It's high population density. Whereas if you go just over the border into Zambia, all of a sudden you, you can just see there's fewer people. It's like, why? Why is that? Why is Nigeria like so high? Pop- like the population density in Nigeria is so high. And then, but then like, it's not that high in Ghana or Cameroon. Like what, what's going on? Like, I don't know. But yeah, it's a really little country with all these like different environments and ecosystems. And just, so there's just so much in this small country. And I would say the sense of community is really awesome in Malawi. Um, and it's like, has a really just incredible culture. People are very, are very warm, very unassuming, like not pretentious at all. A really, to be honest, is a very easy place to live. And I made just so many friends in Malawi. And that was at some point when I was kind of looking for jobs internationally and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was just like, I really like it here. I have tons of friends here. I love the community I'm a part of here uh, or, or various communities I'm a part of here. And like, I don't really actually want to move and like start all over again. So, and then the weather is, is, is great. I'm looking at your window earlier. It was really pretty. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And lots of different, like really beautiful areas, mountainous areas. And it's got the lake, uh, like Lake Malawi, which is 20% of Malawi is the lake. I think something like that or a third of it. Anyway, like it's a, it's a huge lake. So yeah, there's just, there's like all these different gorgeous areas. And yeah, it is, it is an easy place to live. I think, um, didn't Mission Rabies, they did some uh, rabies vaccinations in Malawi. Yeah, Mission Rabies is, is very active in Malawi because Blantyre, which is a, a, lar- a large city in, in the south of Malawi, that's where I live. Uh, Blantyre had the like highest number of human rabies deaths per year out of, I think, any African country. So that's why that was in the early 2000s. So that's why Mission Rabies set up a project in Blantyre that was, yeah, and it, yeah, it was very grounded in, in data and epidemiological principles. They've been really successful. Like they cut rab- rabies deaths halved in Blantyre since they started their project. So yeah, they're very active in Blantyre. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay, next question. I think you've had, I mean, you're not very old, but you've had a lot of experience and you've done a lot of unusual things. But what is your biggest life lesson you learned? You cannot care about other people's problems more than they do. Don't help people who don't want your help. That's that's worse to live by, right? Yeah, sometimes I get caught up. And I saw some people I knew in VMX and I get caught up and I'm like, I come back and I'm like, oh, you know, I want to do this, this and this. And I'm like, that makes sense. Like, I don't think they they want to. I think if they really wanted to do it, they could do it themselves, right? That makes sense. But then if you have somebody who really wants help and really, really wants to be helped, then you can help them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then that could be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't waste your energy on someone who doesn't really want help. Help somebody who wants your help, right? And again, you know, you're traveling, you're in a um, very remote area of Africa normally. Um, What is the one thing that you bring with you that you can't live without? Thing, not not husband. My Leatherman? Yeah, like my Leatherman or what could I not live without? What about, I always think like if I go to Africa, I'm going to bring tons of mosquito repellent because we have bad mosquitoes in Connecticut, but I'm sure they're a million times worse in Africa. What about mosquito repellent? Do you have a lot of problems with mosquitoes? Well, yes and no. Like I find that the mosquitoes in North America and the biting insects in North America are like way worse in terms of the biting and the buzzing and like the just ha- the abundance of them um but the problem with the ones in africa is they're more likely to carry infectious diseases so that's like the downside they're tiny and mighty <laughs> they are yeah exactly yeah yeah i was reading about um the early colonization i, I have a weird i have weird taste in in reading but it was the early colonization of kenya they made that railway from one side of Africa to the other, and it would go to Nambia, I think. I don't know what they call this train or whatever, but putting it up, so thousands and thousands of people died from mosquito-borne diseases, putting that train in. And then they also say, whenever they, they list the most dangerous animals on the planet, number one is always the mosquito. That makes sense. 
yeah, after humans, I guess. And you're working on um, some zoonotic disease research and vector-borne diseases. So I'm talking to the right person when I'm talking about these dangerous mosquitoes, right? Yeah. And I guess the thing that I find really interesting about vector-borne diseases is that in the last you know, few decades, they're very much emergent in areas of socioeconomic environmental degradation. So it's really tied into how we're treating the environment and equity in our societies and, and that kind of thing. So that like that all just ties in all the interesting things for me. But I don't know, I wouldn't be mosquito repellent of, of, of like something that I that I had to bring with me. I started bringing like my yoga mat everywhere as well. You're very healthy because when we started the podcast, you had just been running and then you're, you're, you're like, so your big thing is like exercise and taking care of yourself. And so your yoga mat would be the thing that you have to have with you. You, you have to have it to balance yourself, right? I really, I mean, I really love my yoga mat because I think that once you associate calm with a certain thing, then like all you have to do is like get it out and that like brings down your anxiety level. But I don't know. I think my big, honestly, like I'm mostly just totally obsessed with with my PhD project and I am trying to take care of myself and be healthy and get enough exercise, but I'm trying. The next question is, what is your biggest guilty pleasure? Other than Nordic Noir? Yes. <laughs> I'm obsessed with ice cream. Obsessed. I shouldn't feel guilty about that, but I am obsessed with ice cream. Yeah, like, I can like, I've got like Malawi mapped out based on like where all the best desserts are. And I love frozen dairy. Really? What's your favorite ice cream of all times? Like the brand and flavor? Oh, I don't know about brands, but I really like a coffee flavored ice cream with little bits of like the dark chocolate chips in it. Oh, that sounds good. But also strawberry. There's a, there's an ice cream place in Winnipeg actually that was started by a family that came to, to Winnipeg as refugees from Syria and they were cheese bakers in Syria and they started an ice cream place in Winnipeg and it is the best ice cream I've ever had in my entire life. If you even have like a layover in Winnipeg, like leave the airport, go to this place, go get the ice cream and they have one, it's a strawberry, it's, just stra- it's strawberry sour cream. So it's like a strawberry ice cream, but made with sour cream and it literally tastes like, well, there's like it tastes like, I'm getting so excited. There's like a thousand strawberries in every bite of this ice like it's phenomenal yeah wow that sounds so good ice cream sounds really good right now um i always tell people when we talk about ice cream there was this place in princeton new jersey that had the like really good ice cream but the strangest flavor they had olive oil ice cream celery ice cream they had all kinds of strange flavors. But you know what I like is um, you can actually make it. You don't even have to go to the store. Um, you take an avocado and um, like a squishy one and you mix it with um, condensed milk and you freeze it and it becomes like a gelato and it's so good. And you can even put like dark chocolate chips in it. So you don't even have to have an ice cream maker to make it. You blend it first, of course. Yeah, and it's so good. It sounds revolting. But it's so good. And it's it's based on that. There's a Vietnamese drink. It's like a slushy um, shake. Uh, I can't even pronounce it. But that's how I was trying to make that one day because we were eating at this Vietnamese restaurant. It was so good. And I was like, I can make it. And then I made it. And it it was, t- anyway, I put in the freezer too long and it became into ice cream, like a gelato. And you can scoop it. It's so good. I will try that because avocados and condensed milk are definitely something I have access to here. So the next time I have a blender, I don't have a blender right now, um, like in the bush, but when I go back to Blantyre and I have a blender, I'm going to make that like right away. Yeah. You'd have to, you really have to have a blender. I don't think you could mix this stuff good enough to be too clunk because it's got to be mixed. Like it's pureed. You got to puree it. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I taught someone something about cooking, which, or whatever. It's not even cooking. You don't heat it up. Last question. Question number 21 if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Uh, I'd like to be able to breathe underwater. Wow, that is so cool. I feel like there's got to be some kind of technology in the future where we could do that, right? Like like other than scuba? Yeah, other than scuba. <laughs> no, I mean, there was a movie called Abyss. And in, in the movie Abyss, there was something like this water, this thick gel water that you could go into and you could breathe it or something. 
You have to watch it. It's been a long time since I watched it. If you were in that gel water, you could breathe under. Doesn't make sense at all now that I'm thinking about it. I understand the premise. Like there's like, you know, amphibians can breathe through their skin, right? Like on contact, they can, they can breathe the oxygen out of the water, like through their skin. So yeah, it'd have to be, maybe they could make like artificial, I'm sure someone's trying to design it at MIT right now, like artificial ge- um, gills and you just slap them on. Yeah, you slap them on. Yeah, like a patch. Yeah, you'd have to slap it on your face because you're going to instinctively breathe in the water. I don't know. know, Maybe you could just put it on your skin, like over the arteries on your neck and you could just bypass your lungs completely. I used to scuba dive and you're like, you're that oxygen tank. You're like an astronaut. You have your oxygen tank and you're underwater. But if you could do this, yeah, and recycle your breathing, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm jealous of uh, people who are really not, I mean, I shouldn't be jealous because I've never tried to get better at it. So that's on me. But um, of people who are really great at free diving, you can hold their breath underwater for really long periods of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I used to do, like back in the day, me and my husband would try to see who can hold their breath longer at the pool, but haven't done it for a while. But that's true. But I mean, you know, three minutes, two minutes, one minute, but just think like you could just swim underwater like Aquaman. Like, that's the coolest thing. Okay, hold it right there. Let's take a break and go to our sponsor and we'll come right back and finish this conversation. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy Radio delivers world-class content with engaging voices and inspirational messages curated by a network of top influencers and experts. Stream 24-7 at myvetcandy.com. So cool. So you made it through the 21 questions. Um, I had such a good time talking to you. I love your Instagram feed. I'm, I'm living vicariously through your Instagram feed. This has been such a pleasure talking to Dr. Hezzy on our show. We've learned so much about how cool her life is. I'm so jealous. And if you guys want to get to know Dr. Hezzy, check out the show notes below. And Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so happy you came to listen. We have some great guests coming up. We have Dr. Stacy, Dr. Karina. We have Dr. Mira. So check it out. Make sure you subscribe to this channel and you can learn all about these cool human beings. And this is Dr. Jill signing off for 21 Questions. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.